Welcome to Sci Vibes, where we bring you corridor and coffee break chats with scientists from all over the world. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Anna. Today we're here with a distinguished climate scientist and one of the two co-chairs of Working Group 1 at the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC. She will be giving an ICTP colloquium while she's in Trieste. We are lucky to have a few minutes to talk with her today. I'm Valérie Masson-Delmotte, so I'm a senior scientist in a French research institute near Paris, um, within an institute called Institut Pierre-Simon Laplace, IPSL, and a laboratory called Laboratoire des Sciences du Climat et de l'Environnement, LSCE. And I'm also the co-chair for the IPCC uh, working group dealing with the physical science basis of climate change. My own research is focused on um, understanding past climate variations using uh, information from natural archives such as ice cores or tree rings and with the tools of water-stable isotopes. How far back do ice cores go? So today the longest continuous ice core record from central Antarctica from the French-Italian station called Concordia uh, is reaching back 800,000 years in the past and there are ongoing initiatives to find a suitable site for um, drilling a new ice core that would uh, provide the oldest record. And uh, so there's a survey ongoing for the best possible site. Um, the wish could be to go back about a million and a half years ago. That's serious. Changing slightly topic. Yeah. Um, you have edited few books for kids. Uh, why do you think it's that important and in which sense was it challenging? I would like to say that I'm paid with uh, public money, so taxpayers' money, and I feel a strong uh, push. Um, so that's the knowledge we create, we preserve, we share in um, research centers in the academic world is shared. So my wish was to get out of this sort of ivory tower that sometimes we have as scientists and try to share my knowledge. And I did that, I did this type of outreach with, in many, many different contexts. And what I liked personally most was doing that with children especially in the age range from, I would say, 8 to 12 years, um, because at that age you can also stimulate the scientific reasoning, you can um, um, develop uh, thinking about experiments. So I wrote with colleagues, and including my husband, <laughs> three books for children. Um, it was also interesting because the books uh, were designed to be a little more than a, a drop in an ocean, which is my feeling when I go once in a classroom and the, um, they were co-designed with students. Oh, so nice. the titles of the chapters had to be questions from children and the children reviewed the book and they are always very sharp. So the worst comment I got was something saying, it starts like a novel, <laughs> but after two pages we understand it's a documentary. <laughs> I think that's a, a real challenge for every scientist, I mean, to tell their research in a way that people get interested. So, so the one on climate change, we imagined a book where you have a time machine. And my own research with ice cores is basically working with a time machine, where you can have information on past climates. And climate modeling is a sort of time machine where you can also explore possible futures. So we use this artifact um, to um, have a, a sort of um, a narrative mm -hmm. where you can go back in different past periods and or you can discuss with people in the future and think about uh, long-term consequences of today's choices. Did the kids come up with some nice solution, maybe, for climate change? They came with a lot of questions and sometimes very surprising questions. And what was also striking was that um, um, the kids in France do have education on 
sustainable development on environmental issues and it conveys a lot of anxiety. So the goal of the book was to avoid this type of anxiety and uh, rather focus on solutions and uh, understanding. Nice. What are you interested in continuing to explore? I would very much like to be involved in the search for oldest ice. I think uh, if I'm still fit, I might have an opportunity for the first time to go in the field in Antarctica. I did that in Greenland, but uh, I had my kids at the time we had the major European project for Antarctica. So that's one of my wishes. Um, and that would be a very interesting um, scientific challenge as well, because um, in the last million years, the Earth has been through a short warm phases called interglacial periods and longer cold phases called glacial periods. And we know that the drivers of these changes are slow changes in the orbit of the Earth. But it interacts with the state of the climate system, with the level of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. It's changing the response thresholds. And um, there's a major change in the dynamics of these ice ages between about 1.5 and 1 million years ago, from um, small and frequent ice ages to longer and colder ones. The exact mechanism for this last major climate reorganization is not yet fully understood. We need to know what was the change in the atmospheric composition. And ice cores are a very precious tool for that because they archive almost directly uh, past changes in atmospheric composition. So there's a global information, the amount of dust, so an information on regional climate and an information on uh, polar climate as well. The melting Arctic ice, is that sort of a, a huge loss of data to paleoclimate? So we work with continental ice mostly. Yeah. Uh, so okay. the more you have melting, the more you have a risk to lose the climate information, especially when you have percolation processes, so that it's basically destroying the archiving of uh, uh, seasonal layers. Yeah. This is the case for southern Greenland already. It is the case in many um, mountain regions. So there are also ongoing international projects to drill quickly in tropical glaciers, in alpine glaciers so that it's possible to uh, preserve these very preci precious archives, not only on, of regional climate, but also of um, local pollution uh, through the transport of aerosols in the atmosphere. So there's an ongoing international project where basically the idea is to drill, um, store one of these cores for uh, over the very, very long time in central Antarctica, using it as a giant freezer, <laughs> so that for future generations of scientists, there would be this archive available and analyze the second one with today's methods. Oh, that's cool to have mm -hmm. sort of a, a database, a, database mm -hmm. a backup database. Like a library. Yeah, <laughs> a library of ice cores. Yes. That's, that's really smart. So for the current meeting that you're at, what is the structure and the goals of that? So the goals of this meeting is to uh, facilitate the exchange of information between scientists of different disciplines. So scientists working on in climate science uh, who are combining different lines of evidence to um, uh, assess um, regional climate change, but also different types of uh, modeling approaches. So it's really the, the goal of this meeting is really to uh, design uh, a specific guidelines so that we can implement a coherent uh, treatment of regional information across the various IPCC working groups. But it's also um, in response to the wish of governments, of policymakers, of business sectors to have more information on regional information. So I think we can serve these multiple purposes. The idea is to have a common vision yeah. and then to have a common language and then to have tools to exchange information. Yeah. And an atlas is an example of a tool where you can visualize data 
Actually, going back to the policymakers, are they asking you more for information or for solutions? In the consultations that we had uh, before preparing this IPCC assessment cycle, they asked for a solution-oriented approach, the state of knowledge that can support decision-making in terms of solutions. And for these solutions, a lot of them require regional climate information. So these are two things that came repeatedly from consultations. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks for talking to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. How can I be in Italy without having excellent coffee exactly, after lunch? Exactly. <laughs> you can find out more about each episode on our website at ictp.it and you can subscribe to our podcast for more coffee breaks with scientists. Tell us what you think about the podcast by reviewing it or by emailing us at scivibes at ictp.it. We'll see you next episode.